The victim gunned down in the backyard of this townhouse complex packed with families. Everyone shocked as they watched from their balconies as paramedics tried to save him. I could tell that they were trying to pump someone, they were trying to pump his heart. The murder victim, 21-year-old, died Duong Duong of Abbotsford. It is very early in the investigation, but we believe that Mr. Duong's murder was targeted and linked to other gang violence in the Lower Mainland. No consolation for residents who say, targeted or not, gunshots erupting in public put everyone in danger. Uh, it's kind of scary, especially with a five-month-old and just moving here. We moved from Kindersley, Saskatchewan, so not, that kind of stuff doesn't happen so much. It's really scary. Actually, it didn't really hit me last night what had happened, and that's in the morning when I saw all the police, and then my husband also told me, I guess my husband didn't even fully tell me what was going on last night because he didn't want me to get scared. Now, witnesses tell us they heard a vehicle speeding away from the scene, but of course it was dark last night. There was fog, so there's no description on that vehicle or any suspects. I hit asking tonight for witnesses to please come forward. Back to you. Rumina Dea in Langley for us. Rumina, thank you. The bullets also flying today in South Surrey around 9.30 this morning. RCMP responded to a report of shots fired in the 17,000 block of 21st Avenue. When they arrived, they found a man with gunshot wounds. He was rushed to hospital in serious condition. The suspect or suspects took off before police arrived. Uh, it appears as though from the information that we've gathered so far is that he was departing his driveway when he was approached by individuals that shot multiple rounds into the vehicle and then fled. Now officers are canvassing the neighborhood, speaking with witnesses to obtain further information. The investigation is still in its early stages, but RCMP say initial indications are that this was likely targeted. And some breaking details now on a pair of sex assaults in East Vancouver where the suspect seemed to stalk his victims while wearing a surgical mask. Late this afternoon, police revealed they have a person of interest. And Jill Bennett is outside VPD headquarters right now with more on this. Jill, police sharing a couple of surveillance photos. Chris, those photos released just a short time ago. They do have a clear photo of that man police are calling a person of interest. If you take a look at the photos, they clearly show him boarding some kind of transit. And that's significant because both of these attacks took place against women who had just left transit. The first attack taking place on October 29th around 10 p.m., a woman who had just exited a transit bus near Victoria and 64th was groped repeatedly by a suspect who told her he had a weapon, he then took off. There was another attack on November 15th, also in the evening. In that case, a woman had just left the Nanaimo Skytrain station. She was walking south when again she was groped by a man who ran up from behind. He then took off. Now, in both of these attacks, the suspect was wearing a medical mask, and that is why police believe they could be related to each other. We could be talking about the same suspect. However, even having this clear photo, police Police still have not been able to identify the man in the picture. Uh, the Vancouver Police have been working very closely with uh, Transit Police as well as other agencies throughout the Lower Mainland. We're sharing information, we're comparing notes, and if this person is responsible for any other uh, similar offences, we'd like to link those and bring closure to those events as well. 
So police are asking anybody who recognizes the man in the photo or the man himself. They say they want to hear his side of the story. He is identified as Asian, about 20 to 30 years old, about five foot eight with a slim build, short dark hair, and was wearing dark rimmed glasses and again a medical mask in both of those attacks. If you have information, you're asked to call police at 604-717-0604 or you can call Crime Stoppers. Chris? All right, Jill Bennett, thank you. The RCMP announcing charges today in connection with a school fight on Vancouver Island. The fight involves students from Cowichan Secondary and some members of the community have raised concerns about racism. Our Nitu Garcha joins us live from the newsroom with more on this. Now yesterday, Nitu, the school district and Cowichan tribes released a joint statement basically saying this was all sorted out, everything is good, and they're going to implement a new diversity program at the school. But then today comes word of these charges. That's right, Sophie. Three young men have been arrested for assault, and a fourth is expected to be charged in relation to this brawl that was caught on camera. Now, Sophie, it happened Monday afternoon near Cowichan Secondary School in Duncan. The video shows a student being punched and kicked by multiple teens while on the ground. As a result of the fighting, eight students were suspended. Conditions were placed on those charged, ordering them to abstain from contact with the victim and with each other, as well as to keep the peace and remain on good behavior. Now, parents and students alleged it was racially motivated because First Nations youth were involved, but the school district has denied allegations of systemic racism at the high school. All right, Nitu, do we know why these three and possibly four students are being charged and not any of the others? Well, Sophie, police aren't confirming why only these teens are being charged, but the mother of the First Nation student who was beat in the video you just saw tells us those students are the four who were seen punching her son after he was tackled to the ground. Sophie, back to you. All right, we'll see how this progresses. Nitu, thank you. Vancouver residents are ganging up on Vancouver, saying the city is not being completely honest about its plans for modular housing. First, it was Marpole residents. Now, people living near Caslow and Kingsway are taking Vancouver to court to stop a similar project in their neighborhood. Nadia Stewart explains why. For residents living near this community garden on Caslow Street, there's fear the neighborhood is changing. And there's little they can say or do about it. The city's consultation process is deliberately uh, trying to downplay what they're going to do. It's uh, not being done in good faith. James Tisdall says he first heard about the proposal for modular homes on our newscast, then a notice in the mail. He and others feel there's also no regard being given to the Renfrew-Collingwood community plan, where the majority of residents rejected the idea of new housing near the SkyTrain stations, favoring single-family homes as a means to maintain character and safety in the neighborhood. They created a whole community planning process. When it suits them, they're bypassing that completely to put something in place that uh, doesn't fit the neighborhood. This time last year, the city proposed putting up modular homes on this orchard, just a five-minute drive from Caslow Street. But after calls from residents and Global News, the idea was quickly scrapped, the city pointing to legitimate concerns about the lack of information and consultation provided. Since then, much has changed. 
We've taken steps to streamline the process to create modular homes in neighbourhoods across Vancouver. And we did that in September of this year and now we're actively uh, looking for new sites, looking for ways to deliver these across the city. Bond says the community's input matters and will be taken into consideration. But Tisdall isn't convinced. He and others vowing to make their voices heard at next week's public meeting. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Expect traffic disruptions in Victoria this weekend as the new Johnson Street Bridge gets another step closer to completion. This massive crane known as the Dynamic Beast loading up pieces of the new bridge onto a barge today. It's part of the new lifting mechanism and Saturday and Sunday they'll attempt to get those giant pieces into place. The bridge will be closed on and off all weekend. Motorists, cyclists and pedestrians are being advised to avoid the bridge if you can. Burnaby Mayor Derek Corrigan is replacing Vancouver Mayor Gregor Robertson as chair of the Mayor's Council. A troubling move for those pushing for some major transportation improvements. Aaron MacArthur explains why Corrigan at the helm has some worried about a slowdown. Nowhere in Metro Vancouver is the benefit of rapid transit more evident than in Burnaby. Two SkyTrain lines, 11 stations, and billions of dollars in real estate development. Now, the man in charge at Burnaby City Hall is the new voice of the region's mayors when it comes to transit. Strangely, it's a move that's baffled local politicians. My concern is that if we start going from this big vision and start focusing on the things that drive us apart, what does that mean? I, I would rather see us focusing on what brings us together. Yeah, I'd like to, you know, see us work together. Corrigan managed to wrest control of the mayor's council away from Vancouver and Surrey. The two cities that stand to benefit from the next two big components of the mayor's 10-year plan. A Broadway subway line and as many as three transit lines in Surrey. Agenda items Corrigan has been vocally opposed to. The mayor of Burnaby wouldn't return our phone calls today. But Derek Corrigan's record speaks for itself. He has voted against virtually every major funding announcement since the mayor's council was created. And it goes back as far as the 1990s when Derek Corrigan was opposed to Fairgates. Turnstiles are rejected because it would cost us $100 million to retrofit our stations with turnstiles. His opposition to the Canada line? Just as vocal. I think it is a total waste of money to build a $2 billion transit line for a two-week party. Corrigan does say he plans to follow through on the majority consensus. Money is already committed from senior levels of government and phase one of the build-out already underway. Corrigan likes to say he's a bus guy. He's not in favor of the mega project. <laughs> Corrigan likes the big projects. Burnaby's got more than their fair share. But here's where Corrigan will really, I think, make or break. And it will definitely be his legacy. I think he wants to make, not break. When Derek Corrigan takes his seat on TransLink's board in January, it will be interesting to see who is driving the bus. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Right now, though, the Vancouver Canucks have had a good rivalry against Calgary for years, but it may pale in comparison to what's coming in the Battle of Cascadia. Seattle is on the road to getting an NHL expansion franchise, and as Paul Johnson reports, that has hockey fans and tourism operators pretty excited. We are going to get a hockey team. So Seattle seems on the verge of getting it all. A booming economy, a Super Bowl-winning NFL team, and now the prospect of snagging the NHL's next expansion team. And the NHL has wanted to be in Seattle for five, six years now. Provided they can prove demand for tickets, which is likely, 
the NHL is basically signed off on expanding to Seattle. I didn't know it would happen so quickly. We are thrilled that it is happening. I will be talking to the NHL commissioner soon. It's great news for the Emerald City, but what does it mean for Vancouver? The crowd really applauding everything that goes If there's any hint of what a Seattle team would mean, Vancouver hockey fans can just look over on the other side of Griffith's Way, where the Whitecaps regularly play their Seattle rivals, the Sounders. It's what you get in uh, Europe on a on a a regular basis. Whitecaps president Bob Leonard Doozy says far from drawing fans away, his experience is having a competitor within driving distance is good for everyone. The rivalry and, and for the Canucks, I think it's a it's a it's a great opportunity and I actually think between the two sports it'll just uh, continue to heighten that that competitive nature between uh, Seattle and, and Vancouver. Though we didn't hear from the Canucks today what they think of the plan. Vancouver needs a rivalry and Seattle's be perfect. Well, many Vancouver fans seem to like it. The news is also proof that Canadians still have some strong opinions about who deserves an NHL team. It's absurd that uh, they would get expansion when uh, Quebec's been waiting. Paul Johnson, Global News. It is the season of giving, but it's also that time of year when the Grinches come out. Yes, many of them. And with more on how you can protect your online holiday purchases, here's our consumer reporter, Andrea. Ann. It's a growing concern for consumers. Thanks, you too. More and more of us are turning to online shopping this holiday season. Unfortunately, that's also meant an increase in parcel thefts. It's a concern for police and the courier companies, but there are steps you can take to ensure your items get to their destination safely. It's go time at the FedEx facility in Burnaby. Globally, the company expects to handle between 300 and 400 million packages over the holidays. This is going to be a record year at FedEx for our peak season campaign. We've seen steady growth um, around the world, and a lot of that is attributed directly to the popularity of online shopping. That surge in online shopping has meant an increase in parcel theft. Vancouver police releasing this home surveillance video of a brazen thief snatching a parcel in broad daylight, a scene becoming all too familiar. Parcel thefts are a concern for us this year with the increased online shopping and the deliveries to people's homes. So we're asking people to take steps not to tempt a thief. These thieves are opportunists. So if they see a parcel sitting out in your front deck, there's a pretty good chance they're going to help themselves to it. We're always looking at ways to improve our process. So when we saw the videos, absolutely, we took a good look. We use those as teachable moments. Still, courier companies like FedEx are encouraging customers to take steps to avoid becoming a victim of crime. Reroute your package to a more secure location. Have the parcel delivered to a trusted neighbor, family member, or at your workplace. Ask for a signature upon delivery. Many courier companies also offer an app to track your package. And with the tracking number, you can receive updates on every process, uh, every step in the, the delivery process. You can get that via email or you, we could even text you uh, all the milestones in the delivery process. So if you get a notification that says we're out for delivery, you know you're not going to be home, that'd be your cue to give us a call. There you go. If you do become a victim of theft, police are encouraging consumers to report the crime. We're finding that people are contacting the credit card companies and the retailers. We're also, we're also asking that they contact the police because we can't do anything unless we know about it. Uh, quite often, there's a small number of people doing a large portion of this crime. 
Now, Canada Post offers flex delivery. It allows you to choose a post office location where you can have your packages shipped, and it's free. Also, many times when ordering something online, you're not sure which shipping company the retailer will use. If that's the case, when it comes to inputting your shipping information, choose an address where you know someone will be home. Again, it could be your office, a trusted neighbor, family member, or friend. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me through my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Thank you very much, Ann. Now that terrifying ride for a transit bus driver in Florida caught on video. The driver was cruising down the highway when the bus's left rear wheels come clean off. He was thrown around in the resulting crash, but thankfully was wearing a seatbelt and escaped with just minor injuries. There was no one else on the bus. The bus had just had its rear tires replaced the day before, and investigators are looking into whether there were problems with the lug nuts. And police are always reminding us to take steps to prevent theft from vehicles, but in this case, maybe they needed to take their own advice. Security video shows a suspect taking a taser, a tactical vest with police markings, and an assault rifle with three fully loaded magazines from a police car parked outside the officer's Florida home. A 16-year-old was later arrested, but police are still looking for the stolen gear. Well, we often hear about heavy industry creating greenhouse gases, but what about hospitals? A recent study has found they do have a carbon footprint. But as John Hua reports, VGH has launched a program to capture those ozone-destroying emissions created in the operating room. All right, here we go. Now three or four slow, deep breaths. When you're about to go under the knife, greenhouse gas emissions are probably the last thing on your mind. But according to a new report, the hospital operating room can have a heavy carbon footprint. It means that surgery is approximately equal to 2 million cars on the road every year. That total roughly based on the combined emissions of surgical suites in Canada, the United States and United Kingdom. A comparison of the three also showed some fared better than others. Everybody was feeling that same sense of environmental guilt, if you will, at our obvious footprint and wanting to know how they could improve. According to McNeil's published work, anesthetic gas, the main carbon footprint culprit. But while measurements for the UK showed it only accounted for 4% of operating theatre emissions at John Radcliffe Hospital, the number jumped dramatically in the United States where the tally measured at 51% at the University of Minnesota Medical Center. But anesthetic gas, an even bigger contributor in Canada, making up 63% of the carbon footprint in operating rooms at VGH. The things that we know that we can address and we know that we can put things in place for, really it would be short-sighted and foolish of us not to pursue some of those opportunities. The hospital already defaulting to the same less environmentally harmful anesthetic gas being used in the UK. I was worried that it might be difficult to make the switch, but uh, I found that actually that wasn't really the case. There was no significant difference between the two. Plans for 16 new operating rooms at VGH taking it one step further. A commitment to install anesthetic gas capturing technology. I'm just going to set it over your nose and mouth nice and easy. Means any trace of its harmful emissions will be knocked completely out. John Hua, Global News. First, though, something that British Columbians can relate to all too well. Raging wildfires destroying hundreds of homes and forcing both people and animals to flee. 
These racehorses scattering at a training center in Southern California. Dozens died in the stampede. At least six large wildfires continue to burn out of control in the Los Angeles area. Lester Holt has the latest from Ventura, California. There's flames right there on that hillside. Driving up a narrow, smoke-choked canyon road outside Ojai, California. These are some strike teams gathering here. We soon came face to face with the teeth of this fire burning on two sides. We have 40 acres up above. Uh, it's also where we ran into Patrick Yerger, hoping to check on his property and animals, but realizing there's no way in. As much as we love our property, we're not going past this point. This is serious. Uh, this is a death trap. And this is growing as we're speaking. Yes, it is. This is going to get worse. With fire all around us, we're about to understand just how unpredictable the Santa Ana winds really are. I want you to look at just the smoke plumes coming up over here. So this entire hillside now, above where we are, uh, there's fire burning. And, and I don't know if I'm going to stop for a second if we can actually hear. What an ominous sound. Listen. It sounds like a jet airplane up there, but that is fire being pushed by the wind. Our escort said we simply can't go any farther. In fact, he's backing us off right now. It's coming this way. There it is. It's coming this way. We got to go. So we got in our vehicles and came uh, about a half mile away, and now we get a better perspective of what we were actually in the middle of. There's uh, the flames working one side. That canyon is a very dangerous place to be right now, so we wisely backed off. And in those brief moments, we learn the mantra every firefighter here lives by. You got to keep your head on the swivel, you know, pay attention to fire behavior. Cause it gets dangerous out there. Does. Yeah, not much uh, of an end in sight, too. We'll check in with uh, Christy now, who's at the Vancouver Christmas market for a look at the weather conditions around here. Very, very festive. I saw you standing outside the ugly sweater booth, and now I understand why. <laughs> That's right. This is actually your jacket, Chris. I picked it up. Do you like it? Uh, it's I very nice. I put it on Brand so you can have a look at it. Does it have long enough sleeves? I'm not sure. <laughs> There's... Well, we'll have to see. And I've got a gift for Sophie and Squire as well, which I'll show you in a little bit. The other reason why I've got a big smile is because I have Glühwein here, which is the uh, German version of mulled wine, and it's absolutely spectacular. Now, the whole place here is licensed, so you can get your Glühwein, and you can drink your wine as you do your shopping. There's entertainment here. And for the kids, Santa's here as well, and there's a carousel, so there's lots to do. We're at a new location. This is the second year here at Jack Bull Plaza. Now, weather-wise, it's a beautiful evening here. The the fog is actually lightened up here, although it is still just above us. I can see. I can't get enough of these photos, though. I had to start off with a few photos to show you from earlier today. This first one from Steve. Just a spectacular shot looking out from uh, the Cypress Mountain area. And also one from Brian. Thank you to uh, Brian for that one from West Vancouver. Incredible scenery, if you can get above the clouds, of course. And that's where we have that inversion. That's where the warmth and the sunshine is up in the mountains, whereas lower down, we're seeing significant fog. That fog advisory is still in effect, and it will be right through until tomorrow. The difference is tomorrow. Can you see some high-level cloud moving in? That's the difference. So we're going to see a weak front push in tomorrow, and that's going to move things around enough that we'll start to break up a lot of that fog that we're seeing. Now, not all areas will break out of the fog. Some areas will still be cold and cloudy under the fog, even in the afternoon, but other areas will break out and be in the sunshine and warmth through the afternoon hours tomorrow. Meanwhile, the north periods of rain 
rain, a risk of freezing rain for inland regions near Terrace, up towards Dees Lake as well. A lot of valley clouds still to contend with all across these areas. Cold lower down, warm higher up. And the south coast, the plan is going to be for some sunshine tomorrow afternoon as that weak front pushes across the region. Same plan right through the next few days. That fog advisory, as I mentioned, still in effect. Happy birthday to Pratam Singh Dale. Congratulations to you turning 100. I want to introduce you to uh, Malta Klutz. He's the... Um, president as well as the founder of the market thanks so much for having us here love my jacket by oh, the way absolutely i'm jealous now the market's been such a success for eight years and it seems like a lot of families have really made this a tradition yeah absolutely it's wonderful to see how the people are coming every year more and more uh, with their families with their friends with their co-workers come down here for lunch or just having a good time what's your favorite part about the market it's definitely watching the people uh, come and be excited about all the lights and now about our new attractions as well. We have the first ever walk-in Christmas tree in Canada. Right. We have a flying stage. You have to check that out. It's wonderful to watch the entertainers on the second floor. And uh, yeah, then obviously the food is uh, so important to um, sample and check out. And the newest uh, addition is raclette cheese from Switzerland and they melt it off from the uh, half wheel onto your potatoes. Oh, it is so yummy. Oh my goodness, and you can only get that type of cheese here. Now, Sophie, I have this beautiful blazer for you from the uh, Ugly Suits and Sweaters Hut. Uh, and look at this one that Malta picked out for Squire. Now, the eyes are falling off a little bit, Squire, but I can sew those on for you. It's actually vintage just for you, Squire. It's good stuff. Thanks, we're having Walter. a. Yeah. It's going to bring out the blue in his eyes, I think. Uh, absolutely. And there's an ugly sweater That's event right. here at the uh, at the studio next week, I think, isn't it? The third. What is it? The thirteenth. We're doing. We're not it. wearing them on the. Are we wearing them on the air? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Just in the lobby for a picture. Thank Thanks, you very much, Christy. All right, Italian artist Milo is known around the world for his stunning murals, and he's just completed his biggest ever. It took him 14 days to create this masterpiece on the side of a 15-story building in Shanghai. He incorporated several traditional Chinese elements, including a dragon, lotus leaves, and a phoenix tree. It's titled Twist of Fate. Milo's murals have graced buildings in 20 countries around the world. He's got four in Shanghai alone. So far, none in Canada. I'm surprised it only took him 14 days. I, you know what? I thought the same thing. Yeah. That's like, it takes me two days to do one little bathroom. You know? <laughs> That's like, no, well, James told me about it. <laughs> right? <laughs> it took me three years to finish my coloring book. <laughs> I was very proud when you I did it. Stayed inside the I lines. stayed inside the lines. That's why it took so long. I had a real problem with that. And it went to something else. Square so was happened. beatboxing and then and drumming during the uh, commercial. And then break. we started sure thinking about it. songs from the 80s for some reason. Sure. Tangent. Right. Kicking it old school. All right, here we go. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks have long been a home for Swedish players. Some of the best ever Canucks have been from Sweden. Gradin, Nazan, Olin, the Sedins, to name some. Pedersen, perhaps, in the near future. But until this year, the Canucks never really have been a bona fide spot for Swedish net miners. Now they are. The Swedish house mafia has taken up residence in the Vancouver net. And for Jacob Markstrom, this is the year he hopes to finally reach that potential that many scouts have always felt he has. Their own line, they turn it over to Kessel, shoots, glove, save, Markstrom. 
It's taken a little longer than he or the Canucks may have wanted, but Jacob Markstrom is now playing the kind of goal that the hockey world thought he was capable of. Markstrom admits he struggled early, trying so hard to show he belonged at the NHL level. Jacob Markstrom in career game number 129 has his first shutout. When you're, when you're younger or haven't played that many hockey games, you, you, you might tense up and, and squeeze the stick a little too hard or, you know, get a little nervous and kind of backed in in your crease. And now, you know, I'm in a good place and, you know, feel really confident. But at 27 and now in his third full season with the Canucks, Markstrom has an air of confidence and comfortability that's translated to the crease. Markstrom's numbers this season are the best of his career, and one reason for that has been his crease mate, fellow giant Swede Anders Nilsson. The two were born just 47 days apart in 1990. Both have struggled somewhat to establish themselves in the NHL, but together they've brought out the best in each other. We get along really good off the ice, and uh, as soon as we uh, we step on the ice, it's uh, uh, both of us are competitive. So uh, we push each other off the on the ice, and uh, with that, I think uh, both of us are getting better. I think when you have a good one-two punch in the in the net there, and they get along well, it just makes it that much uh, more comfortable for everyone having them back there. For us to to, to play, you, you got to play really well, and you know he's a hardworking guy and really professional so you know it's, it's obviously nice to have a Swedish guy here we you know got some uh, got some good conversation going but you know he's a he's been really good and you know I hope uh, he says the same about me but of course there's always room for improvement Markstrom has a simple goal going forward stop more pucks yeah that's that's something I would like to get a little better at Barry Delay Global Sports uh, yes, that's very good. Uh, well, the Canucks were losing to Philadelphia last night. They were also losing defenseman Jordan Subban on purpose. He was traded to the L.A. Kings for forward Nick Dowd, who at best would be a fourth liner in Vancouver, but more likely a regular in Utica, like Subban was. And that's why Subban was dealt. Neither Willie Desjardins or Travis Green ever saw him as a Canuck. He certainly tried, showed offense in the minors, but his defensive play has never been that great. Even back in junior, it wasn't great. And even though the NHL is allowing smaller defensemen to play, when you're only 5'9 and you're not great defensively, you're not going to play in the NHL. So far, of the three Subban brothers, and Malcolm and PK are playing against each other tonight, Jordan has not played in the NHL. He's the only one of the three, and the Kings immediately sent him, sent him, I should say, to their minor league team. Okay, we talked about Seattle and the NHL earlier. The most interesting thing about this is... When you think about a Seattle team going in to the NHL in 2020, think about that expansion price, $650 million. That's up from the $500 million Vegas play, paid, make that. And that means that unless a team relocates, the NHL pretty much has priced Quebec City out of returning to the National Hockey League. Quebec City has an NHL-sized rink in the Videotron Center. Right now, the Quebec Ramparts of the Quebec Junior League play there. That's we wish we had the NHL music. But it's obvious the NHL seems to be avoiding going back to where the Nordiques once played. Relocation of a franchise might be Quebec's only hope, and quite frankly, teams like the Coyotes and Panthers should move north because they have no fans, but it's still a long shot. Vancouver Stealth opened up a new season tonight with a home game in Langley against Colorado, the uh, Stealth's only home game this month. They are coming off their first ever playoff season since moving to Langley. Uh, Colorado actually was a team that knocked them out of the postseason last year. 
The Seattle Seahawks are in Jacksonville this Sunday. The Jags are the number one defense in the NFL so far this season. They've allowed the least amount of points because they have allowed the least amount of passing yards. Now, they haven't had a super tough schedule. And in Russell Wilson, they get a quarterback who can mess up their defense because he has the ability to be completely unpredictable. And he is someone who Pete Carroll says is having an MVP-type season. Of course he's a candidate. Of course he is. He's having a great season. He's, he's, he's done so much at this point, but that doesn't mean anything until the end. You know, everything depends on how you finish and, and all of that. And, and there's some great players having great years, and he's certainly one of them. There's no question about that. I, I saw a stat that he's, uh, he's tied the all-time record or something for touchdowns in the fourth quarter with four games today. You know? and, I mean, that's, that's a lot of great players playing a lot of great football to get to uh, you know, that kind of designation. So we'll see what happens. He's still got to throw a couple more. The newest Japanese baseball sensation says he's going to sign with the L.A. Angels, Shohei Otani. The Japanese Babe Ruth can both pitch and hit at a high level. He doesn't want to be just a pitcher. He'd like to be a DH when he is not scheduled to pitch. The Seattle Mariners were on the short list. Of course, they once were the home of Japanese legend Ichiro but uh, he decided on the Angels, and because of that, Vegas already dropped the Angels' odds to win the World Series from 50 to 1 to 30 to 1. He and Mike Trout will be quite a scene Good when they. Big uh, impact. Yeah, he's a good player. Pitches and hits, he does it all. Yeah. Thanks, Squire. All right. All right, let's check in with Andrea for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And Thanks, Sophie. The Coquitlam dog walker who survived being lost in the backcountry is helping to educate other outdoor enthusiasts about how to stay safe. Annette Poitras disappeared for several days while walking three dogs near her home in Westwood Plateau. Poitras and members of the search and rescue team who rescued her are talking to the public this evening about how to prepare when venturing out onto the Hello. trails. We'll hear more from her when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie, Chris. Right. Thanks, Ann. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, satellite debris. But first, if you want to get into the Christmas spirit, we have some ideas for you. Here's Kasia Badurka with five things to do with the family this weekend. Kasia. Thanks. There is nothing like the magic of twinkling lights in a winter wonderland to get you into the holiday spirit. And at the Van Dusen Festival of Lights, you can help but feel the joy. Expect one million lights, decked out gardens, and take a ride on the carousel. Peak of Christmas at Grouse Mountain is offering up fun activities and attractions for families, all against a majestic mountain backdrop. Visit Santa's workshop, meet his reindeer, skate under the stars, or take a sleigh ride. Make It, Vancouver's handmade market, is one of the biggest artisan markets in the area, and it's at the PE Forum this weekend. Pick up unique gifts from nearly 300 artisans and makers. Yes, there's food, even a beer garden. There's stuff for the kids, too, and they get in free. Step back in time and celebrate an old-fashioned Christmas at the Stewart Farm. On Saturday, sing along with classic carols, indulge in sweet Victorian treats, and craft vintage Christmas decor. It's fun for all ages, and it's free. How about a gingerbread house scavenger hunt? The elves have been very busy in Sydney, hiding 50 gingerbread houses throughout town. Find at least 12, and you could win fun prizes. For more on these events, go to globalnews.ca slash five things. This program is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners, plus get the best roadside assistance. Here is your snow report on the mountains. Still a temperature inversion, milder up there. We have a base at Whistler Blackcomb of 140 centimeters, Grouse 175, Cypress 196, Sasquatch opens December 15th. Revelstoke a base of 119 centimeters, Manning Park 75, and Powder King 170. 
In the southern interior, Big White and Silver Star between 100 and 110 centimeter base. Sun peaks a little over 80. Apex, a base of 130. All right, you ready? He hasn't even dropped it. Thank you. I should be in Cirque du Soleil. Okay, so, Jesper uh, Tjeder, I think I'm saying his name right, maybe I'm not. Uh, he's a, <laughs> I'm only going to do that once. He's from Sweden, a great skier, 22 years old, and he set up in the summertime a path through trees near Ore, Sweden, where he, there's a great uh, ski resort. And then in the wintertime, when it snowed, he went through the trees. Here we go. Let's enjoy it. Don't try this at your local ski hill because you're not good enough to do it, probably. And that's not an insult, you just aren't. Got to do the flip first. Now into the bush we go. And as I said, in the summertime, he went over this and over this and knew exactly what he had to do when the winter came. Here's the move right here. Yikes. Whoa. Split the trees, split the uprights. Like he's not even getting hit by a branch. Bounced off that tree. Yeah. Going right through there. Pick it up a bit later. Why did he do this? to impress us, well perhaps, but what he was really looking for by going through the woods on his skis at high speed was a nice place to sit to look at the view. And there's the nice place right there, and there's the view. There you oh, go. Nice. Nice? Isn't that nice? Easier ways to... I'm sure there are, but they're not as fun. Yeah. Okay, um, I had this kicking around. I. It's not like spectacular, but it's cute, and I don't know why I want to show it to you, but I'm going to show it to you anyways. It is a puppy dreaming. Soft side. See, there you, you go. Have okay. a soft side. John Lewis department stores in England. Every year they have a Christmas commercial. Everybody looks forward to it over there. This is the one they did this year. Maws the monster. Here we go. There was a way to get back home. Once there was a way to get back home, sleep pretty, darling, do not cry. Sing 
sous I will sing a lullaby.